Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, my guest is Julene Jackson, mother of Frank Jackson of the Detroit Pistons. We have a lot to cover, so let's bring Julene on the show. Thank you, Julene. I'm so happy that you are here with me today on Courtside Moms. I feel so blessed to have you here, and we're all excited to learn about your son, Frank. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you know, we moms, we are always ready to roll to brag about our kids. Any chance we can get. <laughs> Any soapbox I can find, I'm standing on it. So, <laughs> Great, so let's talk about Frank's childhood and how he was an all-around athlete who played many sports and eventually got involved in basketball. So how did basketball enter his life? Well, probably because his daddy played basketball. So he comes from an athletic home, nine siblings, and I had five brothers and they were athletic. And then our dad, my husband, Al, was a basketball player in high school and played for his university in Daytona Beach, Florida, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And so that's kind of a no-brainer. So uh, Frankie, you're right. Frank played a lot of all the sports. All the sports, anything for the ball. But he kind of, um, you know, leaned towards basketball. And it's probably because of dad's influence. He found that love eventually. Yes. <laughs> I was reading, I said, wow, he played football. He played lacrosse. I was like, wow. And I said, that's wonderful because you have, how many kids do you have? So we have five living. The count is always a story. We actually had seven children. Our first little babe and our last little um, babe, they were both sons died in infancy. And so, oh my word, it was just the most heart-wrenching thing for any mama who's had to, you know, give back one of their babes to heavens. So I pushed forth seven babies. I always tell my children, my favorites are in the heavens. So the two boys are very athletic. So Frankie also has an 18-year-old brother who is a senior, and he is just heading off to Alabama in a couple hours to go play in a a huge tournament. Yes. And And then the girls... Not so much. They love dance and music. And so we're kind of a segregated household. I do all the girl stuff and dad does all the guys stuff, the boy stuff. We, we do. We support each other's activities. Absolutely. You know, I was always taking the girls to the music lessons and making sure they had all their costumes for their recitals. And Al was doing all the tournaments and that kind of thing with the boys. Dance recitals are just as fun as sports, mom. Hey! So. <laughs> so Frank played AAU, then he went to Lehigh High School. Did I spell that? Did I say that correctly? So he um, he did go to Lehigh High School. No, actually he didn't. He went to Lone Peak High School. He went to middle school and they let him play on the team at Lehigh because he, was, I don't know, they just bumped him up in eighth grade. Yes. But Lone Peak was his high school. Right. That's where he eventually transferred to, right? Right. Um, and he later became a McDonald All American. So, share what his high school years were like. <laughs> oh, he was living the dream in high school. <laughs> I mean, you know, for some kids, high school is the worst four years of their life. For Frank, I don't want to say it was the best four years. I always tell my children, you do not want to peak in high school, children. Life is going to get better. I promise you, you know, and so don't, don't keep looking back to the good old days of high school, but he had a, 
really a really dreamy high school experience. Obviously, he um, got a lot of attention and uh, with basketball and and it's a big old high school and he loved his friends there. And so I, I think he would, you know, get a big old smile on his face if you asked him to ask, uh, you know, if he asked about his high school days. So he had a, he get a great, great experience there. Did you get to catch any of his games or were you yeah. busy at the, at the dance shows and the, and the ballet and everything else? <laughs> no, you know, I didn't go to every game, but I tried to go to the most important games, but it felt like I went to every game because, you know, all those games, in addition to the AAU games, it felt like it was basketball year round, but mm-hmm. no, I did. It was, it was fun. It, you know, it's fun <laughs> to have a little basketball, uh, the basketball boy star, you know, and so it was, it was great. Oh, of course, of course. So Frank, after, well, during um, high school, he originally committed to BYU as a freshman, but then he later decommitted after other schools started um, <laughs> making offers. So what was so special at first about BYU that yeah, led, yeah, that yeah. led to that early decision? Well, I was just like, you know, it was on my list of, you know, things to do, kids going to college, and it was down the street, and it was Brigham Young University. It's, uh, we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so it's a yes. church school. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I know there's going to be good kids there. And so I think it was like his sophomore year, I don't even think he was 15 yet, he was 14, and BYU had us down for a recruiting trip. And they offered him, and I'm like, oh, sweet. I'll just cross that off my list. I'll <laughs> for Frank. Done deal. So we didn't think anything else of it. I'm like, okay, we're not going to have to worry about, you know, five kids. How are you going to pay for all their stuff in college? And so to me, it was like one, one, you know, one less thing to worry about. But um, then about a year or two passed, I don't know, he was 16, 17. And he was having some good runs in the summer with AAU right. basketball. And, and really, who what basketball stars come out of Utah. So I just don't think anyone was really probably paying too much attention to, you know, yeah. ballers in Utah. And so uh, I don't know when it was out 16 or so, oh goodness sakes, um, all the coaches started calling. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I think Frankie and dad were afraid to tell me that they were thinking of decommitting or yeah. entertaining <laughs> other offers because our oldest daughter, uh, I don't think she was at BYU yet, but she was on her way to Brigham Young University. And so I think they just always grew up thinking, oh, yeah, that's the school that we'll go to. Yeah. And uh, and so when, you know, Coach K started watching him at the in the summer, I'm like, oh, dear, this could be problematic. <laughs> and I, a few other uh, actually, well, you know how all, all the coaches are watching all oh, yeah. at AAU and then they all start calling. And, right. uh, and so, you know, you never want to waste anyone's time if your child knows that he's really not interested in the school, but he started to get a lot, a lot of flurry of activity around the, those magical years. Of course. 14, 17. So after being recruited by so many schools, I mean, Arizona, States called Duke, Stanford, UCLA, just to name a few, what do you think Duke offered better than the others that made it his final choice? Ooh, you know, I, I get I get why Coach K can pretty much, uh, you know, one visit in his office and the kid leaves with stars <laughs> in his eyes. 
So we had just come from a recruiting trip out to Stanford. Uh, Johnny Dawkins, who was a former Duke player, was the head coach. And I really like that campus. It's beautiful. It's Stanford. Yeah. It's only an hour uh, air f- or flight from Utah, close to the beach. I love San Francisco. So, you know, in my mind's eye, I'm like, oh, yes, honey, Stanford. <laughs> And, um, and to be honest with you, Wendy, it's so hard to go to those recruiting trips because every school puts forth their best uh, effort and they're just kind and wonderful. And I I mean, every, and that's why we really didn't want to go on too many trips because it was just too hard, you know? And then by the time you spend a few days with all the coaches and assistants and everyone you meet at the school, um, you feel like they're your friends and you hate yep. to down. So, you know, really Al, my husband admonished Frankie to pick like, you know, maybe the top five schools. Because at this point, Kentucky, I mean, everyone, all the, all the boys that ultimately make yeah. a leap into the NBA, all the schools are calling them. So Frankie, you know, got a list of about five or six schools that we went and had a few visits with. And of course, all the coaches come to your house first. Mm-hmm. Then you go to their school. So we had just come off of Stanford. I was thinking, oh, this is the place. If we have to decommit from BYU, like the whole state of Utah, we're going to let down. You know, when you decommit from your state school, so to speak, even though you're yeah. private school, but it's it's a really well-known popular school in Utah. And, and I thought, well, people will understand Stanford. So we took it. I didn't really know Coach K, who's the head. Yeah. I didn't know of him. So I, I'm not like one of these crazy basketball mamas, you know, that's, that's dad's thing. I, I, I you know, I kind of got my other thing going on, but I'm into whatever my children are into. Yeah. No, I feel you. So uh, we walk into Coach K's office and I'm thinking, well, hello, Mr. Coach, Coach K. It's been a while since I've, I, I was able to say his full name when Frankie was playing at Duke. But now I just say Coach K because it's, what is it? Krzyzewski? Yeah. Anyways, Coach K. So part of my everybody calls was me. like, hey, Coach K, get in line. You know, I mean, I didn't want to be, you know, I, I didn't want to be arrogant. But at this point, I, I you know they were interested and I thought, well, you know, there's yeah girls that are interested. And it's not just Frank, all these NBA boys, everyone wants them. So we sat down and there are pictures of Coach K and Michael Jordan, Coach K and Kobe Bryant, Coach K and LeBron James, Coach K and you know, I mean just every every big all-star in yes. the game. And Coach K had just come back from coaching the Olympics. And he even like oh, was one point he probably did this on purpose, showed Frankie his cell, uh, his directory on his phone. And he had like, you know, Michael Jordan on speed dial kind of thing. And then Coach K something, said something that I knew we were in trouble. He said, Frankie, this is Frank. He's still in high school. He's 18. He said, Frank, you are a pro player. He said, I know what pro players look like. I can pick them out. I've been at this a long time. He said, I can get you into the pros. That's what I do. And he said, I don't know if you would stay here a year at Duke, two years at Duke, three years at Duke, but you are a pro player. And so when he said that, I mean, like, I was like, oh, well, game over. I guess we're going to Duke. I mean, I knew that's what uh, Frankie wanted. That's what dad wanted. So that is, you know, it was, it was cute. Frankie, you know, we're a praying family. So Frankie made it a matter of prayer because it's, it's, it, you know, where you go to school, I don't care whether you play basketball or not. It really dictates the direction of your life where you, Absolutely. Where you take that next step. Absolutely. And so he prayed about it. We all prayed about it. And he got the confirmation that that's where he needed to go. So 
off you went. Well, making those visits are so important and you really want to make sure that your child is comfortable. Yes. And and like you're saying, it's funny because you're making me reminisce because they throw everything at you. Oh, it's a great school. It's a great program. It's yeah. great this and the blah, blah, blah. And everything is fantastic until you get to the next one. Oh, I mean, you just, you just <laughs> fall in love with all the coaches and, yep. you know, all the little assistants. and Absolutely. At Stanford, they pulled out Condi Rice. She met with us. I mean, anyone that's hoo-hoo that even is unaffiliated with basketball because my husband uh, has served in the political arena. Yes. And so, I mean, whatever they can do to win the hearts of the mama over, the daddy over. I mean, I think they even make offers to girlfriends of some of these. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And so you just have to really be grounded and you have to make a, I think my husband has said, always make a list of pros and cons for each school. Yeah. And then it's the Lord, yeah. you know, I will be done. No, absolutely. And it's funny because you're making me uh, think of when I took my son on visits, it was just funny because like you said, they, they bring out everything and we're from Canada. So they would say to me like, oh, don't worry, we'll feed him well. And I'm thinking, we have food in Canada. Like they, they would, <laughs> and the things that they would say to me just to throw out there. And I'm like, no, we're good. We have electricity too. Like it's, yeah. it's okay. Like, you know, our dorms are this. And, and it's funny because you fall in love with one coach and the staff, like you're saying, and the assistants. Until you meet the next one and all of a sudden you're like, okay, but I love her more. Well, wait, hold on. I, now you don't want to break up with the one you just met. And then you go to the third visit and you're like, well, the other two were wonderful, but you're just better. And it was just, oh my God. It, it was hard. And finally, I was like, this is exhausting. I was like, <laughs> and you know, when the boy actually decides, you know, which school he's going to go to, he typically calls, needs to call all these coaches yeah. that he's built a really kind of sweet rapport with, you know, over yeah. the last year or so. And, yes. and that was hard, too, for the boys to have to pick up the phone and personally explain why they, after all that they did, why they're deciding to go to another program, you know. But it's, yes. all, it's all a part of the process. Exactly. It helps those boys to begin to grow up. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. At one point, this is a, this is a big decision. So if they're going to commit, then they should pick up the phone and right. say, okay, coach so-and-so. I want to come to your school and say why. Right, right. You know, I remember when my son chose Vegas, when he chose UNLV, he's like, okay, call the school. So I called the school, I called the coach and and we were talking and we had him on speaker and everybody was so excited. He's like, okay, so what's the decision? And we were so quiet for a minute. And then finally, I'm looking at my son, like, say something. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to come to your school. <laughs> oh my gosh, everybody's running around the kitchen. The, <laughs> the coach was all excited. So no. it's just funny, but... Those are just really sweet moments because life is mostly hard. So those just really thrilling little moments where mm -hmm. it's pure exuberant, you just kind of want to like Absolutely. just linger in that moment, you know, because mostly that road of basketball and, you know, the pressures once they leave high school, the bubble of high school where they're kind of like king of the hill. That's right. And they go into college and they feel that pressure now. Frank felt that pressure at Duke. Yeah. And then to make that jump into the NBA uh, where, you know, it's a, it's a business, you know, and, and they are, yeah. they, they, they got to grow up almost overnight, you know. 
So you, you you look at that transition from from high school to college. You're absolutely right because now it's completely different. So how was he able to balance the two from becoming um, now a college student but a college athlete? Because now you're traveling, you're always on the road, but you still have to maintain a good grade average. Like how was he now able to grow up in this little bit amount of time and juggle both worlds? Right, right. Well, we we kind of say it was a bubble in Utah, you know, is uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> um, Frankie said, Mom, I, I never even went to a party with alcohol till, until I went to Duke, you know, <laughs> and so his little eyes probably were like, hmm. yeah. and he loved his teammates. They were great. I mean, he played with Jason Tatum and Luke Kennard and um, Grayson. Um, uh, Grayson Allen and Harry Giles. And so, you know, I, I think they're, I think all of them were just trying to figure out, you know, whew, I, I mean, I remember Frankie one time telling me that he was going to play a game Duke versus the University of North Carolina. And he said, Mom, I think millions of people are going to be watching this game. I, I, I didn't know it, but apparently it's a, a, it's a pretty serious rival. Yeah. I just, when he, when you told me that, my like, you know, your, your throat goes into your heart because you're because you now you're like not just the packed school high school gym, but we're talking a lot of people. Uh, let alone Cam Cameron indoors. That stadium there is, you know, when it gets rocking and rolling. But so you know, it's quite a leap. And and to be honest with you, those boys, uh, you know, going to Duke. Um, the academics alone that is no joke. Mm -hmm. They're on the plane so much and they're having to maintain and sitting classes with kids that are, are like just the top of their classes yeah. intellectually and academic wise. And so, you know, there, there was, there was some pressure there to, to be able to come through at all levels, but you know, he did it. We, we stayed close. We actually, my husband had just finished up a term in the state Senate. So, mm -hmm. um, he would have run again, but he decided to retire and we moved across the country because the legislative session would have been exactly during the basketball season. Mm. So dad would have, we would have never been able to go to any of his games. And right. so we moved across the country uh, to Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, which is just about two hours from um, Durham, North Carolina. So we were able to go to every game. And uh, so we were close. We were, we were there and he would come home from, from time to time. So, you know, he was able to make that transition somehow. I think the key is, is mom and dad have to be somewhat close. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you're absolutely right. I mean, they're having that pressure to fit in yeah. the school and then fit in the basketball team. Because like you said, Duke has a lot of stars. So everybody wants to stand out. Everybody wants to be that one and done, right? So that's a lot of pressure for a basketball player. At the same time, you're not playing if you have bad grades. So it's always great to have that grounding and that family around you. You know what I mean? Just to balance you out. Because I, I it, it's very important. Like for me and my son, I lived in Canada. He was in Vegas. It's a big difference. I was a six-hour flight away. So, yeah, so it was a lot of phone, like, you know what I mean? A lot of phone raising. Did you do your homework? Did you do this? Did you do that? I had no choice. I couldn't be at every game. Every, every game was an away game. Every game was a flight. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't do it, right? So so I, when, when families tell me that they have the opportunity to, to 
to move closer to their child. That to me, that warms my heart. So I'm like, thank gosh that you were able to do that because I know as a parent what it's like to be separated from our child. And so far, I could just drive and get to him in two minutes if something would have happened, right? So I'm happy that you and Frank and Frank, you know what I mean, had that. Yeah, bless your heart because that that's hard because, you know, sometimes they don't have good games. And uh, it sure helped to have his dad there in the stand and for dad to be there afterwards and to, you know, for us to go to Chili's. That's always where we go. Yeah, yeah. It's the only place I was open in Durham. We go to Chili's and and he would be able to kind of just talk through some of his little feelings or emotions or if he had a great game, we could be there right with him and rejoice. I I mean, they, you know, they're still young. They're just eight. Family time. And yeah. uh, they need a sounding board. And so whether it be on the phone or they, they definitely still need, you know, some guidance and tutelage, you know, they haven't, they haven't arrived yet. That's for sure. And, and even, even then, even as NBA stars, you know, family to me is so important. So, right. you know, once they come off that big stage, why can't they decompress? Yeah. Why can't an NBA star go to Chili's with his mom and dad? Right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> So during, back to Duke though, during his first and only season at Duke, a decision was made to hire an agent and declare for the draft. So what was the process of picking an agent like for you? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's hard. Um, you know, that's really hard, huh? Yeah. And a lot of players go through a few agents, you know, you just, yep. you just don't know, you, you know, cause that's kind of like being recruited to go to which college should we go to? I mean, these agents, they put, they make all these promises and they're mm-hmm. going to do this and that. And so just like life, you, you gather all the information you can, you take it to God and then you make a decision. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Frankie, Frankie had a, I think he had two agents before he landed the agent that he's had now for yes. going on four or five years. And so sometimes it, with agents, it, it takes a, a trial run or two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, what was, what's important for you um, for an agent? Like what would you say that's really important? Cause I want people to understand um, like your testimony, because it's important for people to to hear from the people who actually went through it. Yeah. Um, picking an agent is a very, very important um, aspect of basketball for millions of reasons, which we'll get into um, soon. But for you, what was important um, that your agent had to, had to, had to do in order for you to hire him or her yeah. to represent your son? Well, I think you want your agent to share your same values, you know, and you want your son to be able to respect the agent. And when the agent is giving him advice, you want your son to to really listen and to heed and and feel like the agent understands him. And um, uh, to be quite honest with you, the agent that Frankie has now is a member of his faith. And so the way Frankie was raised is the way his agent was raised. So he understands, you know, kind of the core of what matters to Frank and how Frank is wired, you know. And this agent is a wonderful man. He's a father of, I think, four or five children himself. He serves in the church community. He's been married to, you know, his his wife from, you know, uh, Jump. 
And so the things that are important to Frank are the things that are important to this agent. And uh, he also has a great assistant, uh, or it, it, there's a team of them, two yes. of them. Yes. So, uh, and, and he's great too. And he's a younger guy and he's just getting married. But, you know, I, I think Frank feels secure and comfortable because they get him. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's so important that um, the player and the agent mesh from the start. Um, Because if not, then it's not going to be comfortable. Right. And as a player, you might not even trust your agent because if you're not comfortable with your agent, then you're thinking, well, how is this person going to get me a great contract? Because that's at the end of the day, that's what they're there to do. I mean, they're there to do a million other things, but at the end of the day, it's the livelihood. So you're really putting your everything into this agent and all your trust into this one person who's really going to go out there and, and I want to say sell, but sell your talent, you know, to be to a team, have that relationship with the GMs and the coaches and, and really say, okay, this player is a fantastic player. And if your agent's unable to do that, then you're just not going to really, it's going to be harder for a player. So you're right. But I think it does start with the heart. It starts with yeah. And, and I think even maybe even beyond the basketball world, I mean, you, you know, the, the window for these boys playing basketball is right. like this compared yeah. to their whole life. And so you kind of want a guy that, you know, is going to maybe look out for your future too, is going to help you become a better man. And, and hopefully a, a good example to look to, to model you know, themselves after even in, you know, personal marital relationships as a father, as a businessman, just an honorable man of integrity, you know? And, uh, and so I, I think that matters. It it mattered to Frank, it mattered to, you know, our family. And, and so Frank, uh, Frankie's found a good match with his Asian. Well, sometimes it takes a couple, but does. Well, I feel you. So, (laughs) Frank has said that declaring was a decision that your family made together. So can you please share with us the type of conversations that you had and what were your pros and cons that were weighed that helped you to make that big step? Yeah, that was, that's a challenge, huh? When to go into the NBA. You know, it's a challenge for all players, young boys, because they're going earlier and earlier, you know, Boys that have had three and four years of college under their belt is becoming less and less common and kind of more of these one year and duns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the bench at Duke was really deep. And so, and to be honest with you, I think he still sometimes wonders and, and, and uh, wonders what it might have been if he had stayed another year. You, I think you have to make a decision in life and then just like, move forward and, and not keep looking back what it should have could have kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think he maybe would have been okay if he would have played another year or two. I mean, certainly a lot of people weighed in on it, but you know, once again, it's something that you take to God and you kind of weigh in all your options, you gather all the information. And I think he felt he, he was going to be drafted Really, his primary goal was to get into the NBA, not necessarily to get a degree at Duke, although I, I you know, hope someday he can go back and get a degree. Yeah. But, you know, uh, so I definitely think he counseled uh, a lot with 
with me and Al. And there were some, you know, there were tears shed and cause it's, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, he did it. He declared for the draft. The rest is history. <laughs> Not really. We can talk about that history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Frank was invited to the NBA Combine, where he unfortunately broke his foot. Yes. So was not able to complete any workouts for any teams prior to the draft. Was there a fear at that point of not getting drafted? So I don't, personally with me, I, I knew he would. How's that for how's, how's that for an inspired? Oh, no problem. Man. You got this. You, you don't really need to go work out. It's on your bucket list. Yeah. I think he was, obviously it was a devastating experience to have to break your foot before the draft. So we had a lot of teams. His schedule was packed. You know, he was going to go. I, I always call it audition. You're going to go audition. <laughs> so I was like, mom, it's not intermission. It's halftime. How many times do I have to tell you this? So he's, he still went and visited quite a few schools, but he was not able to actually get out on the court and show them what he could do. So, you know, I think he, in a made draft night, extra tense because, you know, now instead of going, I don't know, 17, 20, 21, he, you know, he's like, oh my gosh. Am I am I gonna make it in the first round? You know, and he yeah. he was what was he the thirty or the thirty first? Thirty first, yeah, yeah. And so I think he was just sad that you know he 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 really feels that if he could have played in front of them and and you know tried out in front of them these little right that it, it you know but at the end of the day you're drafted and he was drafted into the NBA. So, you know, there's a little bit of ego about that, you know, initially to go, what were you drafted? But actually, at the end of the day, once you've been playing a few years, it really doesn't matter. It's what you're doing on the court right now at that moment, you know. Absolutely. And and so I think that was because these boys are young and, and they're wanting to go, you know. For sure. For sure. So I think that's, I think that's was very stressful for him, you know, <laughs> draft night. Absolutely. We got through it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how you got through it. Tell well, us. You know, he looked really cute. All those boys, have, they wear the cutest suits. I mean, these boys, maybe some of these guys, this is like the best suit they've ever had in their life. Probably the best suit Frank ever had. They all get these custom made suits and these really cute flashy colors. So I was just enjoying the fashion show. I was like, oh, these boys are just so cute and creative and imaginative on, you know, how they, how they come up with all their, you know, little, little, uh, fashion fashion wear so frank looked really cute i i thought it was going to be a great night you know and then i'm sitting there next to him and i'm feeling his little stress bless his heart so <laughs> i'm feeling it by default you know but sure enough his name was called and i think all along um the pelicans in new orleans wanted him but they didn't have a, a, a low draft pick i don't right. know if i'm saying this right no, I know what you're saying. So they they traded, I think they gave money and traded some of their higher picks right. to Charlotte. So yes. Charlotte would pick him, but all along it, it, he was going to the Pels. You know? Right. So he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, the 31st. Right. Um, 31st overall, but then traded for cash consideration. 
um, to the New Orleans Pelicans. There you go. You got it, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the funny thing is they couldn't find Michael Jordan, who was the owner of the Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. trying to negotiate this right, you know, in live time. And I think that's where the Pelicans were very stressed because they were trying to, you know, seal the steel to get Frankie. Uh, and so sure enough, they, I, I guess Michael Jordan came out of the bathroom or something, wherever he was hiding. You know? <laughs> and Frankie, I think like the very next day, that kid's life is changes on a dime. He was in New Orleans. And then I flew down uh, like a day later to mm-hmm. kind of help him start looking for some places. And it yeah. was just super exciting. So so what was that like for you now? Because now this is a whole other realm now. And now you're like, well, hold on a second. My, my son now, he's an NBA player. So yeah. let me get to New Orleans and let me see what the situation is going to be like for him. Because this is, I'm assuming New Orleans is completely different than Utah or North Carolina, right? So- New Orleans <laughs> is like completely different from anywhere else in the entire United States. I'm exactly. Like, oh, this is one of a kind city. You know, it's, we just fell in love with it. And so you know, Frankie's the kind of kid who knows what he likes. And so we went, we were going around town looking at some little apartments and I liked them all. And and then he, he came upon one that he's like, mom, this is it. He turned on the, the sound system and it was a cool little place. You could walk into the French quarters and it's in the garden district. I think like Beyonce has a home 10 blocks away. I mean, it was just, it's just a cool hood. It's like the Southern overgrown. If you've ever been to New Orleans, have you been? To- no, not yet. All right, put it on your bucket list. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, it's just one of those places, this old Southern charm. And and it, the funniest thing, so we got a townhouse, uh, just about, I don't know, eight minute drive from the arena downtown and about 20 minutes from the practice facility. So he, you know, signs the lease and come to find out his coach is his neighbor, like three houses, three townhouses down. Uh And so we just laughed about that. So he and his coach were were buds. They were neighbors. And um, and so Alvin Gentry, who we just loved, he was great. So we got him, uh, he and I went furniture shopping and we got his little house together. And he laughs now because he's the Detroit Piston and his the place where he lives now looks more like him. And he's like, mom, the first place I had looked exactly like your style, you know? And so yes. <laughs> he didn't ask me to go um, pick out furniture with the second house, <laughs> you know? Well, by then he knew what he was doing, so. He knew what kind of couch he wanted. He knew his oh, yeah. at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I look at your son and like mine, it reminds me of, there's, they face so much adversity, the ups and the downs of basketball. So he faced another injury over the summer, which resulted in him sitting out in his entire rookie season. So as mom, how did you get him through yet another challenge in his young career? So, yes. So he had surgery on his foot by a mm-hmm. doctor, but the doctor didn't didn't quite take care of the problem. So oh my goodness. He went to a doctor that the Pelicans felt comfortable with in New York City. Yeah. That had like worked on Kevin Durant and like all the all those players. So they just didn't want he was just a freshman. They didn't yeah. feel pressure to get him out. They just wanted it to heal properly. So he sat his whole freshman year. 
And, you know, we were there for all the surgeries and I would go and stay with him for a couple of days or a week or how, whenever, you know, how, 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 how often he needed me to be there. So he did, he actually had three surgeries. Wow. And it was just not that, um, you know, he was re-injuring it, but they just wanted to make sure that when they look on the x-rays that they got it right. So it would heal completely proper because he wasn't going to play that year. Yeah. Why not? And so, but he, he still traveled with the team. Yep. He, you know, could almost in a way, you know, it was hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It was probably one of the hardest years of Frank's life because all he'd ever done his whole life is play basketball. And now he's in the NBA and he can't play basketball. Yeah. But it's really learning to be able to just sit there on the very front row and just take it in and observe the game. Yep. Yeah. How lucky is that? Yeah. So when he was able to start to play, so Frankie's going into his fifth year. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but the first year he just observed and watched. He had the best front row seat in the house. Yeah. You know, just like in anything in life, you really can make your lemons into lemonade, you know, and, and I've heard him say it was, it was a really unique opportunity to learn the game from the bench, you know, and just to observe, sure. watch and feel the pressure of how, how the guys were handling it and him thinking how I would handle it, you know? And so he got through it, like, you know, all trials in life, these, these things do pass, you know? And, and I, I think I, we just told him, look, all things, just like it says in the Bible, all things work towards your good and will give you experience, you know, as you just turn to God and try and, and find a lesson in it and, and try and find the things that can strengthen you and, and make you you know, a, a deeper, more insightful right. person. And so he did and uh, he got through it and he's, you know, he's had a pretty good run ever since. So when his second season finally came around and he was cleared to play, what was it like for you to see your son finally make his NBA debut with the Pelicans? Oh, Wendy, I mean, seriously, you're like, is this really happening? Do I really yeah. have a kid? Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, really, from little kids, they, they say that they want to do things and you pat them on the head and go, oh, okay, sure, sure. You're, you want to go yep. and be in the NBA. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and when it's actually happening, I just felt such a swell of gratitude. I'm like, oh, I mean, you know, what are there? 400 NBA players, 400 and yeah, 450. Yeah. And so, you know, the chances of, of your kid really making it into the NBA is just kind of like one in a, yeah, uh, slim to none, slim so. to none, you know, a needle in a haystack kind of thing. Yeah. And so just to over, it's kind of like the feeling you have when you have a baby. I mean, you just feel such an outpouring feeling of, you know, gratitude. Thank you for yes. this unique, rare little gift that, you know, the heavens have given you. And that's kind of how it feels like, thank you, God, for this <laughs> unique little special time. And, and I think too, we've always taught our kids, look, the air eventually goes out of the ball. I mean, you know, at certain seasons during your life, the window does close. So just make the most of it and, and don't bemoan it and, and don't complain or whine or, you know, cause it's hard, you know, the, yeah, it is. There's always the underbelly to, you know, uh, you know, the gifts that you have. And, and so, um, so anyways, it was so much fun. <laughs> did you see his first basket? I think I, I'm sure I did. If, oh, I'm trying to think, did I? I know definitely dad did. Now, you know, I had all these other kids that had their games. 
<laughs> music functions, you know. I I really uh, that first year we tried to go to a lot of the games. I always felt like I was on the plane somewhere to go to a game, but um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's great. It's great. There's always somewhere to be as an NBA mom, right? So, <laughs> or a mom of five. So, <laughs> so how do you feel Frank adjusted to becoming an NBA player? Like, what did he have to change, if anything, in his life? Hmm. Well, certainly the pressure. All right. So at home, when you live at home, you have pressure to clean your room and make your bed. And you know those kind of things. And then now the pressure, oh, millions of people are watching you on TV and they're paying you a lot of money and they expect you to perform every game, you know? And yep. so uh, these young boys at 19 and 20, 21, you know, they're, they're feeling like, oh, wow. Okay. I got to really come through here. You know, to be honest with you, we raised our kids uh, to when they're when they're feeling nervous and scared you get on your knees and you look up and you turn to god and you try and be the best person you can and where he gives you much he expects a lot out of you but he'll be right there by your side and so i'm really proud of frankie you know i mean he's just kind of walked through it and all all these boys kind of have to figure out how to make that transition. We tried to stay close. You know, you, you want to stay close. You don't want to stay too close though, because, yeah. you know, they got to kind of cut the cord and spread their wings and figure it out. And, um, and so I just got to think that the foundation, this is what we hope, huh, Wendy, as moms. Yeah, absolutely. That we give them great teachings of how to be a good person and how to be a, a person, a kind person and an honest person and generous person and hardworking and you you hope that you know that the, their roots are are sunk deep enough and then yeah. spread their little wings and fly high you know absolutely there's nothing better like you're saying when we instill all these values in our children and then years later we see it in them and you think yeah they actually did listen so all those years I was yelling <laughs> was for nothing because they did hear me they said they yeah I heard you mom I'm like no you didn't but yeah they did so <laughs> the challenge of a, a mother and mom and dad and mom that you know you bah, 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 teach the yep. you teach and mm-hmm. sometimes you think it's going through one ear and out the other but Frankie he was home recently so we in our family we have a little morning devotional all the kids you know they, they never knew a time we didn't have our little devotional where we'd come together before they go off to school we'd read the bible Yep. I'd make him like memorize a little poem or something and we'd sing a little gospel. Then we kneel down and pray. As they got to be teenagers, sometimes the devotional would go a little longer because I would incorporate, you know, some like current events and I would teach them some of the miracles and stories of America. So they would feel, you know, the specialness of this country and their duty to, you know, to give back and to keep it strong, to make it strong. And so our devotionals would go on like 20, 30, 40 minutes sometimes. And right. kids are like, mom. And Frankie was like, you know, because he'd had a game the night before or something or early morning practice that he'd, I, I, anyways. So he actually told me the other day, he said, mom, I know you thought I slept through all your devotionals, but he said, I really didn't. I, I was listening, mom. And he said, I, I'd taken a lot of what you and dad had taught me and I, I can see, you know, what, what, what that was a special thing. And it's helped to ground, you know, ground him. He said, ground me. And so you're just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because sometimes you think, are, are all my labors for naught, you know, with these people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. And, I, and like I said, it's nice to, to see him as an adult, um, appreciate 
what you and your husband gave him as a child and now it's growing with him. And I'm sure you as a mom, you're, you're, you're praying that, you know what, when he gets older, well, he's older now, but you know what I mean? In the future, he's going to pass that on to his family and that can, and that tradition continue because it is important. It really is. Right. So after what, three seasons um, with the Pelicans, I believe it's three seasons. um, He's last December, actually, he signed with OKC, but then he was waived a few weeks later. Adversity again. I just love Frank because this 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 son of yours, he signed a two-way contract with Detroit where he is today. What were the talks with his agent during this period searching for a new team? Because yeah. now you're going to show the importance of an agent. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Frank was... Frank is always like OKC. So he was thrilled, you know, that he got an opportunity to play with them. And they, I, they, they really tried everything they could to keep him. I mean, they didn't let him go till like the last hour deadline day because they were hoping to move one other player. Cause I guess they could only have 17 players yeah. on the roster or something like that. And uh, they weren't able to move a, a player that they thought they were going to be able to move to take on Frank. And so mm-hmm. they, I, I mean, they called Frank in the general manager, the head coach, all the assistants. And they just, uh, you know, they, they were so complimentary. He played well for them. And, it, and they said it had nothing to do with how he played. <laughs> you know, it was just that I guess with the, all the salaries that they had on the books or something, mm-hmm. I don't really understand too much of that, but it, it made sense. And so then you're like, okay, great. I don't even have a team now. And, and mostly yeah. all the rosters had been filled at that point, you know, because it was the last hour of the last day kind of thing. And so, yeah, Frankie, he was a little emotional about it and really ner- a little nervous, but, you know, he's a good little player and he's just, you know, we just have a lot of faith that there would be some teams. And sure enough, there were several teams that were interested in this. There was never a time that, you know, the agent said, look, I'm talking to three teams right now that want him. So, you know, but still, yes. I, I think in his little minds, it's like, does anybody want me? Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> because he's all like 20, That's... 20, what, 21, 22, 22. And, um, and so, it's so true. Yeah, it's just, and it was right around holidays, Christmas, yeah. and you know how that goes when they, mm-hmm. they get word that things aren't going their way and it's supposed to be like a really happy, wonderful time, you know, and yeah. <laughs> you just kind of walk just like moms do. We just walk our kids through these hard times yeah. and remind them of who they are. Yeah. There's a God in heaven that has their back and he hasn't deserted you before. Everything's going to be okay. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that sure enough, you know, um, you know what? Faith is everything, right? I, I mean, whether you're a basketball player or just, you know, just a good Joe on the street, yeah. basketball, or, you know, what, whatever you might do, faith will get you through anything. If you have, absolutely. If you have faith, I mean, you could go to hell and beyond and you will survive really. That's how. Oh, for sure. So what blessings have you encountered along this journey so far? Oh, I tell you so many blessings. You know, <laughs> it really is such a joy to see uh, all your labors, you know, begin to bear fruit. And I mm-hmm. saw how hard Frankie tried for so many years at his little craft. And just, uh, it's just thrilling to see, you know, it, it 
and not that it didn't have its highs and lows, but, but to see your child doing something that he loves and that he also can do a lot of good, you know, I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's been great for him financially. Uh, We, you know, we, we went from having to put little money in his account at Duke, you know, and pay for everything to like, Oh, sweet. Okay. He can actually pay for his rent, you know, (laughs) we wanted to give him gas money because, you know, we're still doing that with most of the kids, you know, that's always a blessing. But, but beyond that, I think his ability to, um, to be of service and to like, help other people and you know he's involved with some organizations and with kids and he has spoken a lot and he has just been really generous and kind in a lot of ways he's kind of a private little player so he's not he doesn't really post a lot of things he does that way he loves fashion so he loves to you know post his fashion stuff but some of the behind scenes of uh of the good that he does he keeps that a little more private uh and and sometimes he doesn't even tell us and I'll just learn second and third hand and and um he's he definitely is learning it it, that it's a business and he's learning Mm -hmm. to have to be a man and to stand up and to advocate For for himself and to plan for his future. I mean, a lot of his friends are some are still in college, you know, or, or just barely, you know, you know, no longer working at the the smoothie shack, you know, <laughs> they're getting real jobs. And so he's he's had to just figure out things a little quicker and a little faster. And it's different. Uh, and and it's different. And and there will be mistakes along the way for sure. But you know, honestly, my mistakes were my greatest teachers in life when I was that age. Oh, know? for sure. And so, you know, they're going to make some mistakes along the way and, uh, and you try not to be too shocked or try not to get too disappointed or anything, but just be there with them and walk it through. And if they have the foundation, they understand, yeah, we don't, I don't want to try that again, or I'm going to be wiser. Yeah. You kind of have to begin to keep your circle smaller in who you mm-hmm. trust because you learn at a little bit younger age that maybe not everyone has your best interest or your back yeah life in general you know and so you have a few experiences where people that you thought were your friends or you know had your best interest at heart maybe you know don't and um and so it's it's all beautiful though I I mean it's uh we just you know, an immense amount of gratitude and thankfulness to to be here and to realize that it's a it's a unique period in his life and it won't last forever so make the right. most of it do as much good as you can and um and and then that will prepare prepare you for the next phase of your life absolutely i tell my son every day you wake up every morning and just be great yeah that's it just be great just be great that's it you don't have to do anything else and he would like oh okay you know (laughs) just be great easier said than done mom it was so funny at thanksgiving i was at the church gym getting some balls for him he was practicing and i was trying to make some baskets and i i just i was trying so hard and he's like see mom it's not as easy as it looks (laughs) Because I would always, when he was in high school and college, give him great advice about what he needed to be doing. I mean, I don't know anything about basketball, yeah. but I was just like, you need to be nicer to the ref, you know, <laughs> and, and honey, you just need to shoot more and you just need to blah, blah, blah. And, um, or you need to be going and shooting more. So more baskets will go in the, you know, the, the basket. And so he, you know, he's like, mom, 
can you now see that, you know, all your great advice was nice, but it's just not as easy as being great. He's like, excuse me, Coach Julene, but... I know. So it, it was fun. But now, Wendy, I don't, I don't really give him any advice. I mean, as far as basketball advice. Yeah. You know, what do I know? Yeah. I'm just going to stick with your advice, honey. Just go out there tonight and be great. Just be, yourself. Yeah. be great. That's it. Be great. I'll be watching. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is something special in your eyes about Frank that you don't think fans know, but you want them to know? Oh, well, Frank is a very sensitive young man and he always is looking out for the underdog beautiful and he gives so much grace and leeway to you know maybe the underprivileged or people that are different in the world i mean you know sometimes i'll, I'll go well i don't know about blah 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 and he's always the first to defend people and you know help me to look at it from a different uh, angle and yeah i i think he's you know, he's just heard some really amazing stories of these players and, and all that they've kind of had to come through to rise up to be where they are. And and he 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 gets that he came from a, a pretty sweet home where mom and dad were together. And, that you know, if, if this kid wanted a new pair of shoes to play, he got it. If he needed money to go on some trips or to have some training or extra coaching, he got it. And he realized, you know, not everyone had had that kind of setup and so he's just sensitive to the fact that you know everyone is just trying to do the best that they can and if they're struggling it might be because of something in their backstory so let's just get to know him you know and and I I really love that about him that he's just not a judgmental dude I mean he he sees the fine and good in people and um and he's a he's a great leader people, people follow him. He's a quiet leader. You know, he doesn't always have to, you know, be the smartest guy in the room and be the loudest guy in the room talking smack, but there's just kind of a quiet strength that he has. And there's like a grounding and a stability that he has and he knows who he is. And so that's my Frankie. So before we wrap up and get to the fun facts, Tell me, what is it like being the courtside mom to Frank Jackson? The courtside mom to Frank Jackson? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, Frank kind of has his own style, you know? So he, he, he loves clothes. I don't know where he gets that from. <laughs> <laughs> I think he saw me trying on clothes as a mama when I would go out. He likes to try on little outfits and... And so he always kind of just looks cute. He's just mindful of the details. And he's he's got some crazy hair going on right now. And But even his hair, he comes home, we talk about hair tips. He gives me hair tips, <laughs> beauty tips. And, and so um, he uh, kind of marches by the beat of his own drum. Although I think all the players kind of have some unique looks going on. Probably. <laughs> yep, yep, they do. You know? <laughs> And sometimes even Frank's looks, I'm like, I don't think that's my favorite look right now. But it's kind of fun because he has an eye for business. So he's kind of got this little little Rare Roses fashion business on the side. So he's kind of a multifaceted dude. He he kind of has got a curiosity and he likes to tell me about what books he's reading too. So I'm always interested in what's going through his brain. But um, so he 
he's just kind of got his own little sense of style and it's kind of fun. People, the Detroit Pistons, his hair was kind of long and getting longer with every game. And <laughs> he got a little attention uh, about his hair. People would want to talk about his hair. Although he did tell me, mom, it's driving me crazy. The upkeep on long hair. I have long hair. He's like, mom, <laughs> the upkeep is really hard. I think I'm going to have to cut it. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. But if, <laughs> even if he doesn't, it's kind of grown on me. So I like that little long hair with ponytail. Yeah. However he wears it. But um, it, it's just fun. I just, you know, he he just represents the family well. So I'm just proud to be, and, and um, you know, dad's black i'm white so sometimes i don't even get credit for being frank jackson's mom people (laughs) together you know so i have to somehow sometimes drop a hint oh that's that's my it's my son (laughs) because for the longest time people just thought i was like the nanny (laughs) you know i'm the babysitter or uh, this is what courtside moms is about okay so now people will know you're not the nanny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the mother. But I push forth that kid, you know. I love that. I love that. So let's learn some fun facts now. What was Frank's go-to dish that you make that he must always have? Okay. Yeah, he li- he likes to laugh because I kind of changed the way I cook now. I'm a whole food plant-based eater now, have been for about six years. But when he was home, he he loved mashed potatoes. So mm-hmm. like baked chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy. You know, he knew that that was a that was a special dish. But he likes to make fun because for some years I would you know buy the Stouffer's lasagna at Costco <laughs> with a salad and fruit. He said, "Mom, you always had salad and fruit with whatever uh, you you gave us." Or he likes to. Um, really tease me and go, remember when you'd open up a big can of nacho cheese from Costco and put out chips and say it was a nacho bar for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) And now I make the most beautiful whole food plant-based dishes when he comes home and he likes it. But he loves, he loves my potato salad, my baked beans, mashed potatoes. And he even is trying to eat meat more sparingly. So his little diet has changed a little bit too, since he's gotten into the NBA. So we like to talk about health and nutrition a lot. So my girls are real health conscious. When we learned Beyonce was um, a vegan, like most of the girls went vegan in the house on the spot, you know, and we love (laughs) vegan though the girls are about six years because we're, and and my other beauty icon, you know, Wendy, you probably don't know who she is. Christy Brinkley. She's also yes, vegan. Of course I know Christy Brinkley. So we started eating, eating fruits and veggies for the vanity, but then we stayed for the sanity when we realized, you know, what it does to the planet Earth and to the animals to eat so much meat. And then Frankie kind of would hear us girls talking and he suggested the way he eats. So he eats really clean when he comes home now. He's always like, mom, let's go get a green smoothie. He'll go to yoga with me. And so um, he's, He's just, just kind of dreamy in that way. He likes to eat healthy. He likes to do, go to my yoga class. I love to show him off at yoga because, you know, when he walks in and takes his shirt off, then. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where you're you're backing up all the groupies? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, excuse me, Molly. No, no. Back up, Kathy. This is my son. <laughs> I'm not the nanny. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think they just think I'm like some grandma doing yoga. I mean, I bring Frank in and then all of a sudden I get some props. You know, yeah, yeah. All the young yoga girls. Everybody's talking about Julian. Who'd she bring? Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah. 
So other than a basketball, what is one childhood item he couldn't live without? Oh, gosh, other than a basketball. Well, going to say <laughs> there's a few things, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Secular things. There's a few spiritual things. His, his scriptures is his Book of Mormon, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of grounds him. He has about um, probably 200 pairs of shoes. So obviously (laughs) that's something very temporal and superficial. And um, so I don't think he has any special little like good luck trinkets or anything. Right. With you. I think that's it. Did he have a nickname? And if so, what was it? Oh yeah, this is, this really embarrasses all the kids. So I, (laughs) all, all of the kids, tooties. Pooties, tooties, pooties. Um, so they, they like, they say, please. I go, hi, pooties, hi, pooties. Or they come, Frankie. I Frankie, love it. Her pops, you know, poppies. Experience for them too. So, you know. So now we're going to ask some advice questions. What advice would you give to another courtside mom about dealing with a coaching decision that she did not agree with? Oh, yeah. You know, it's so hard. Mamas always think some moms, and I've talked to a lot of moms, you know, that they don't think their son is being treated fairly or is not getting enough playing time or that kind of thing. And I I think especially as they get a little older, like 15, 16, 17, the boy has to fight his own battles because, you know, once they go off to college, you, you can't be calling Coach K or your coach saying, you know, yeah. little, little Frankie is not feeling like he's in the circle of love. So <laughs> I, I would really try and back off as most of, as, as, as yeah. obviously if there's a really injustice going on, then I guess you, you know, you kind of need to go by the spirit. So if you're almost as good as four other guys, you know, they can put you in or maybe not, but you have to be so good that they, they cannot not play you. So instead of it being a coach problem, I always tried to say, Frankie, what can you do differently that would, would make him and like the crowd would not understand if you weren't playing, you know, and you just got to up your game and perform on the court. And that usually takes care of the coach problem. Absolutely. But would you give that advice to another mother? That would be quite funny, actually. Yeah. Tell your son to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know I would I try and do it as gently, speak as softly <laughs> and gently as I could. Yeah. I just have seen two little mamas, too many moms try and advocate for their son. Mm-hmm. It doesn't typically go over that well. In the exactly. Unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a tough game. And if they're really meant for it, those boys got to rise up and they got to prove it. And they got to for themselves. Listen, you can only have five on the court at the same time, right? So your child has to really dominate to be one of the five. It's yeah. just as simple as that, right? Yeah. So now what advice would you give to a player on how to deal with a tough teammate? Yes. You know, that's, that's something I really, I really liked about Frank because he would not talk bad about his teammates. And I knew, I knew there were some knuckleheads. I could just, I could watch <laughs> the game. Yeah. And, um, so 
you know, I think in the game, you can never show bad body language towards the coach, the ref, or definitely your other teammates. You all, you got to always be high-fiving them or slapping them or saying, good job, or you'll get it next next time. Because that's what, what part of being a team player is, huh? And so um, I would definitely say if there if there were any issues between a, a, a player to the two players, you need to settle that off the court, offline, you and he, you know, and um, and uh, and not necessarily get mommy and daddy involved either, unless there's like real abuse. But I'm not typically thinking at that level, you know, maybe there's just some differences of opinions or differences of playing style. So ideally, I, I would say you want your man boy to man up and have a man to man conversation with that other player, even more so than going to the coach and complaining because you don't want to look like you're a whiner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, teaching those kind of skills, how to get along with difficult people. I mean, that starts when the, the child is two and three and four, you know, yeah. it's not really you don't teach them that when they're 14 and 15 and now up against or 16, 17. You, you, yeah. you got to be training them. They're, they'll be difficult people their, their whole life. You know, so, um, you know, and, and, uh, with Frankie, he, he never ratted out on any of his players. And I thought that was a good attribute. And you, uh, you know, every, every kid has favorite teammates, you know, ones that he just gels with and uh, ones that, and even in the NBA, there were a few real doozers on some of his team, <laughs> but, you know, and he would have some funny stories, but he never had any personal Yes. And I, I think, you know, that's just preparing your kids to get along with everyone in the world, even if they're completely different from you. You find some common ground and you build from there because, look, we're all children of God, you know, and we're yeah. brothers and sisters in this big family here. So. Yeah. No, that is some great advice. It really is. To wrap up, tell me if you could give only one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it be? One piece of advice. Well, I would say try to always be on their side. And sometimes that's going to be hard because they're going to mess up and you're going to want to like lecture them or shame them or tell them off, but they feel a tremendous amount of pressure and everyone is always telling them what they need to do better and where they went wrong and, you know, and so they're, they're hearing it. And sometimes we forget they're hearing it from everyone where they're falling short. So be a soft place for your son to land. And I'm, I'm telling this to myself too, because believe me, there were times when I, you know, would love <laughs> and I'm realizing as I'm getting into this, that, you know, he's going to have, Good games, he's going to have bad games. He's going to handle life good and he's going to handle life bad sometimes. That's just part of maturing and growing up. Yeah. So instead of being so quick to nip him in the bud when he fails or when he does something that I don't think is right, just just love on him. Because if you've taught them well, they they already know what they need to be doing. I mean, if I never said anything else to Frankie, if I never gave him one more lecture, he knows exactly how I feel about certain things. So he doesn't need me to tell him where he's falling short, but yeah. just to love him and to just be his best cheerleader and just, you know, I, I mean, obviously we're their parents. And so we're going to be inspired sometimes to say certain things, but 
to be a little kinder and gentler with them because they're carrying a heavy load to be in the MBA. It's not an easy thing. It's not easy to get into the MBA. It's even harder to stay in the NBA. And so, you know, I just think they need to know that you're on their side and you have their back. And so I think that's what I'd say. Oh, that's wonderful advice. And I'm so happy that you were here today to share all this with us. Bless you so much for coming on Courtside, Mom Chewine. Oh my gosh. I had a lot of fun with you today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Wendy. You won't done, baby. I do it naturally. Whoa, whoa.